There were thousands of plays in high school football over the weekend. Hundreds of thousands of plays, maybe more than that, over the course of the weekend in high school football. Would anyone like to guess what the number one, what the single best play from a high school football game was this past week? Not to the rankings according to I, but according to 24-7 Sports, which I am inclined to buy in on and believe. Anyone? Parker Thune, want to guess what the best high school football play was from this past weekend? Was it a fumble ruski? It was a touchdown, Oh, a okay. thick six by ah, David Stone. Yes. David Stone's thick six. 24-7 Sports ranked the five best high school plays from this past weekend out of any other play in the country, and I'm sure they're mostly doing that off of you know, big-time prospects that are out there that we, you know, talk about nationally. David Stone had the uh, the best play of the weekend. Not bad, huh? Does it get you just a little bit more excited about the five-star defensive lineman? I, I mean, I think you're already excited enough. But uh, David Stone shows that athleticism, scoring from 94 yards out. And as Jesse G says, cluck yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I cut that commercial spot. That's exactly what I was thinking, Jesse. Yes. Stone interception. Uh, David Stone from the 405. Text line was not fooled on that one. They were ready to go on this Tuesday. Nice job, guys. Uh, they were sharper than me. I, I had no idea where that was going. I guess because I'm, I'm already on to Tulsa. I'm just looking forward to uh, – I'm looking forward to – well, I guess it would be next week when I can say we're on to Cincinnati. In this in the style of Bill Belichick, we'll just, just get that just sound on Cincinnati. Bite. Just on to Cincinnati. We'll just get that soundbite and run it all week. Yeah, uh, Tulsa weekends. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's definitely gonna be unique with ninety percent OU fans most likely in Chapman Stadium this weekend. But it's it's gonna be fun. Tulsa Day coming up on Friday. Pre and post game show right outside the stadium on Saturday. It's um, it's gonna be a really really good time. So I was um, I was looking at the recruitment of Michael Boganowski earlier today, and I believe on Rivals he's ranked as the number one player in the state of Kansas. That is correct. I think twenty four seventy second um, Rivals he's first. If OU's able to close on on Michael Boganowski, something interesting here. It would be twice in the past three years that OU has closed for the number one player in the state of Kansas. Now, OU's gotten good players from the state of Kansas before. I immediately think of Blake Bell. I don't know who everyone else immediately thinks of. But it would make sense with the ties that this staff has to the state of Kansas, including your head coach being from there, that I don't know if there will ever be a year where OU gets five players from the state. But it does feel like we can expect here moving forward the top one, two, three players in the state of Kansas that OU is going to have a really good shot at those players. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. And let's just – let's revise the narrative a little bit here. OU didn't get the number one player in Kansas back in the class of 2022. Brent Venables uh, got the go. number one player in Kansas in the class of 2022. We're speaking, of course, of Jaron Canick. But, yes, obviously that is a state – that doesn't really have a powerhouse in state school. Kansas State is good. Kansas is better. Definitely as not of a late. recruiting powerhouse school. Yeah, but, but here's the thing: if given the opportunity to drive three hours south and play in the SEC, would you rather do that or drive? You know, who knows? Forty-five minutes, an hour to Manhattan or to Lawrence and play in the Big Twelve. A lot of those guys will be inclined to play in the SEC. 
And that's what's interesting about the SEC expanding now. Like, the SEC footprint has expanded. And we've talked about several times, once the SEC got into the state of Texas, the state of Texas kind of shifted a little bit to more of a national approach. Like, we'll talk about Micah Hudson committing to the Sand Aggies yesterday. But now 11, 11 of the top 20 players in the state of Texas are committed to different schools. Out of the top 20 players in the state of Texas, according to Rivals, 11 of those are committed to different schools. And when the SEC footprints kind of expanded, you saw more players from the state of Texas go to Alabama, go to Florida, go to Tennessee, just kind of a different game in that state. I wonder if like a a state like Kansas, right, now that the SEC footprint continues to expand, places that OU wants to get into, Kansas, other various states, if the SEC draw means, pun intended here, even more for for some kids in those states. (laughs) Well, I imagine it will, but you also have to think that'll be a priority for schools like Kansas and Kansas State and Nebraska and Iowa and Iowa State going forward. If you have schools like Oklahoma and Arkansas and even LOL Missouri that are within reasonable driving distance to a prospect's home base and they have the opportunity to go play in the SEC without being too far from home, if you are a Kansas State, for instance— Yes, you're already placing a heavy emphasis on locking down local talent, but this might give you the urge to start developing those relationships even a little bit earlier in the process. I like LOL Missouri, by the way. When Missouri makes its first trip to Norman, can we not put Missouri on the scoreboard and just put LOL instead <laughs> on there? Can, can, one of the, can one of the TV networks do that? You know, normally you have just like OU there, right? If they'll just put LOL next to Missouri and we all know, oh, yeah, 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 Missouri's playing this weekend. That's, that's who it is. <laughs> if I had three wishes, Parker, that would be, uh, I'd spend two of them on that. Everywhere Missouri goes, it's just an LOL. Aaron and Lubbock, our Texas Tech buddy, says, Tortilla party for Micah Hudson. Still a long season, but as long as we beat Texas and ruin their season, I'll be happy. Okay, hang on, Aaron. When you say we, are you talking about Oklahoma or are you talking about Texas Tech? Asking the hard-hitting questions here because this has a lot of bearing on how the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line goes about the recruiting process from here on forward. Because honestly, I thought the Knippelmeyer text line was going to flip Aaron from Lubbock after they lost to Wyoming. Really did too. But it seems like he's still hanging on, man. Kind of like Colton Vosick in the immediate aftermath of that OU Texas It's what recruiting can do, man. Like, this was the perfect time. God, was this not the perfect time for Tech to get its first five-star ever? First five-star ever. There were people picking them heading into week one to win the Big 12 this year, man. Like, there were expectations going into this year for Tech. They haven't had expectations like this in quite some time. They start off 0-2. But uh, guys like Aaron and Lubbock are at least a little bit okay because Texas Tech just got its first five-star commit in program history in Micah Hudson, a wide receiver. Yeah, wow. and Micah Hudson is really good. Yeah, he is. One of those guys that I, th- I think it's only two players in history that have won the Boletnikoff twice, Michael Crabtree and Justin Blackman, if my memory serves me correctly. Micah Hudson's the type of guy that could be in that conversation. I, like they really, they really needed that commitment at this time. Now I, I know he visited Lubbock over the weekend, but still, it, it feels like a felt like a random commits for for Micah Hudson. Um, it was really random. It was really wasn't random, it? and we were just talking yesterday 
that this has a chance to be a signing day decision. And by no means do I think this recruiting is over, oh, by the no way. Chance. That's a nice moment for Tech, but this is going to uh, linger on until signing day. But the first five-star ever for Texas Tech, which is not that surprising, but it's still amazing when you say it out loud. Tech has never gotten a five-star until, uh, until this commit with Micah Hudson. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, it, okay, let's go back to the text line. 405-651-3439 is the Meyer Chevrolet text line. Kenan RCC for life wants to know, is Danny leaning Texas now? No. I'm guessing you're talking about Danny Okoye. No, he is not leaning Texas. Aaron and Lovick says, trust the process, but I'll say we for both schools. Shuck Texas. No, oh, they got to be making shirts down there that say Shuck Texas. Oh, that's a reference, of course, to yes. Texas Tech quarterback Tyler Shuck for those that are out of the loop. Drew from Flower Mound, look, if I'm Tech, hell yeah, I'm throwing a bag at Micah Hudson. Well, I'm, I'm sure that they did I'll, I'll, just well, that. No. I'm sure No, because I, I will tell you. If it were about the bag for Micah Hudson, Micah Hudson would have gone to Texas. Well, maybe they didn't throw a bag at him. Maybe they just said, well, if you don't commit, we'll throw batteries at you. How does that sound? No. <laughs> <laughs> Threatening, menacing means of recruiting. Uh, <laughs> from the 405, we means Wyoming. Wow, it's a shot across the bow at Aaron and Lubbock. Uh, from the 918. Joey McGuire thought he'd be 2-0 after Oregon and told Micah Hudson to commit following that game. Obviously, things haven't gone as planned on the field. I dislike that conspiracy theory because it's been propagated on Twitter by Doc Texas, who has never said anything truthful in his life. So, as long as he is putting it out there, I will say no. Invalid, false. I did have to laugh uh, right when we came on air. Gunny, the first thing I read was a text from him. How does Mel Tucker's crystal balls affect recruiting? Hey, let's oh talk. Boy. Maybe we should be talking about how Gunny's crystal bongs affect recruiting because he's one for one with his prediction. He so far. put Nigel Smith at a four twenty, and he's he's not a hundred percent. I guess his percentage is at four twenty right now. So we need a crystal bong prediction for Danny Okoye to Oklahoma, which I feel like he's. I feel like he did that already. I could be mistaken. I don't know where to access Gunny's crystal bong predictions. Probably on his Twitter page somewhere. But we need to get a side up to to to, to log all of those. Uh, this is a question to you in the text line again four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. As things sit today, and I like to check in periodically how we're doing with this uh, twenty twenty four class. What's what's the letter grade that we're giving uh, OU right now in 2024? We're not completely done yet, but it really feels like we're getting towards the the tail end of the cycle, man. Like just kind of writing out the names left on the board. There's just not a whole lot of names left. No, um, we got we don't have the entire picture, but we got a pretty clear picture for the most part of what this class is going to look like. So. Is this class in A territory? Is it B plus? I mean, I I think it's at least a B, but where does it sit oh, now? This, no, this is already an A class. It has the chance to be an A plus class if you – well, I'll say right now it's an A minus class. It has a chance to be A and potentially A plus based most specifically on the outcomes of three recruitments in my mind. Grant Bricks, Michael Boganowski, Williams, Winery. Now you're counting Danny Okoye as well, just a yeah, part of the class. Was, then yes, I am. Okay, that's, that's I'm saying that's fine. we're going to go ahead and pencil Danny squared into the class Okoye and Akinkumi, and we know the commitment dates for those two: September 20th, October 12th. So you get those two. You're sitting at 24 scholarship commits, 26 nationally ranked commits. If you throw in Andy Bass and Bergen Kaiser, 
and whatever you get from there, man, it's gravy. But the Sooners got a chance for that gravy to be super impactful if you tack on not only Boganowski and Bricks and Winery, but a guy like Devin Jordan or a guy like Eddie Pierre-Louis, for instance. I mean, it's really exciting to to look at what the future in the next few years can be because I it really feels like the roster has already been massively upgraded from from last year just based on the two games that I've seen. And so you are, you have it an a, a, at an A minus right now this class, and I'm guessing that we had last year's class at an A plus, an A probably at the worst. So this could be it's looking like back to back years where OU is going to have like an A A plus A minus type of class, right? So that's just good on itself. You had back to back A type of classes, probably back to back top eight classes. Um, do we all feel good about the development that's going to take place moving forward? Because based on what I'm seeing so far from these first and second year players, I feel very good about not having just A-plus classes, but the way that those guys are going to be developed. I know the challenge is going to be a lot tougher here moving forward in the SEC, but just what the roster is going to look like across the board, I'm starting to feel pretty optimistic about things. Oh, boy. There goes McComas. Sunshine pumping again. Hey, no, it's true. I'll wear that one. That's fine. Not like... Based on what we've seen so far from some of the youngsters already this season, I don't feel like you have to look any further than Peyton Bowen's performance on Saturday. Yeah, some of these young guys, maybe not all of them, but some of these young guys, they're going to play. They're going to play pretty immediately, and they're going to play at a high level at Oklahoma and continue to elevate this program. We'll take your grades, 405-651-3439. It's not the final just yet, okay? This is like the uh, the practice exam, maybe before the final. I think we're getting pretty close to that. Hit us up on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to the text line and a whole lot more OU Cruton coming up next. Right here on The Ref, we're the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Ref Army, what up? Listening nationwide on this Tuesday. Wilmington, North Carolina is tuned in via our free KREF app. Hopewell, New Jersey. Luguti, Indiana. L-O-O-G-O-O-T-E-E. Luguti, Indiana. It's my best guess. I don't know. I, that, that's what I would have gone with, too, so I'll back you up on that one. Eureka, Utah, Cheyenne, Wyoming, Louisville, Texas, Temple Terrace, Florida, Stevens City, Virginia, and our small Oklahoma town of the day, Braggs, Oklahoma. Appreciate everyone listening to our free app in the App Store. Again, KREF in the App Store to listen to the ref, uh, to, to the ref wherever you're at on the go worldwide. Ref Army Locator brought to you by, or actually this hour is brought to you by Dorsey Jones Buick GMC. Dorsey Jones is family owned and operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. Okay, uh, Jammin from Tulsa says defense, A+, special teams, A+, offense, B. I agree with Tyler, the talent upgrade this year already is big, bringing in more guys like Bowen, Lewis, Stone, uh, Smith is huge. I was talking more about the recruiting class so far, the overall grade, but if you would like to give a grade uh, for this team in the first two games, I think defense is definitely an A-plus and special teams is definitely an A-plus. I, I I like that Oklahoma's actually playing special teams these it's, days. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's, I just, it's I don't refreshing, know what to think isn't about it? it? Well, it's just sweet. Like, I've just been trained for so long, Parker, that – 
oh, okay, here comes a punt, um, here comes a kickoff, I can kind of relax here, and I can take a playoff mentally. I have to be locked in the entire game now because I don't, I don't know what can, I don't know what's going to happen. It's the name of the game. It's the name yes. of the show, Tyler. Locked in. I have to stay locked in. Man, it is. It's a beautiful side. Five oh two. It's a B plus class, not A class, because it isn't in the top five yet. So I guess it can only huh. be uh, an A if it's in the top five. Well, is it is it B plus if it's in the top ten? I would say that's A minus territory. It's it's more difficult for some classes to be or some schools to be in the top five than others. And I'm not saying it's extremely difficult for OU to be in the top five. They just were last year, but it it, like, it, it feels like Georgia is Georgia's going to be in the top five for quite some time, a, as is Alabama here moving forward. Some other schools got to work a little bit more. So I'm, I'm willing to give OU a, an A, A-minus for this class that they have right now. 405, this recruiting class equals two. Enthusiastic thumbs up. Uh, a little Borat gif. Two enthusiastic thumbs up. I wish Very we could nice. insert that. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like again. Where where's the where's the hole in this recruiting class? Can you can you spot where the hole's at in this class? I mean, we knew that it wasn't going to be a linebacker class where you take five or six guys. You're kind of good there depth wise. I know you only have one committed, but yeah. I mean, would you even say that that is a weak spot with this year's 2024 class? Is it linebacker? I think you got a pretty I, good player there. I, you do in James Nesta, and I don't think it's a weakness if you already have an obscene amount of depth at that position on the roster. Like, I don't think necessarily going light at a particular position group because it was necessary for Oklahoma to go light at that position group. I, I don't think going light out of necessity undermines the solidity of a given class across the board or even at that position group. I think if you're going to take one linebacker, and again, Oklahoma would have liked to have had two if Braden Platt wanted to come along. Eventually he decided to stay closer to home and go to Oregon. But Oklahoma felt good enough about where their linebacker room is right now with young guys like Samuel Masigo and Lewis Carter and Taylor Heim and Phil Pachotti that they were willing to say, okay, you know what? If we only take one backer, we're going to be just fine with that. And we trust that James Nesta, in that respect, is the dude that we want. And so, I, yeah, I'm not going to knock Brent Venables and his staff for only taking one linebacker in the class because it's partially out of necessity. And also the, the guy that you did get, the one guy that you did decide to take, he's a dang good football player. 903, recruiting is a B-plus. Levy's beard is a D-minus. Sugar Shane in Newcastle, recruiting class is an A. Filling in spots of need. Wide receivers are dogs. D-line is stout. Linebacker room is already deep, but one more wouldn't hurt. Uh, Reese in San Antonio says class is an A, just uh, just based on filling defensive line needs. And that's... That's really the point, right? This class, like we said, for eight months now was always going to be determined as, as to what you got on the defensive line, and this stands right now, and it's especially true if you get a Koye in eight days, that this will be your best defensive line haul that you've gotten in, uh, gotten in quite some time. Do we know for sure, by the way, if he's going to take that weekend visit to Texas or if he's calling that one off? Because if he's calling that one off, if Danny is not going to Texas this weekend, and all the predictions are already for OU to land Danny Okoye on September 20th. But if he doesn't make it to Austin for that scheduled visit, then 
buddy, it's over. Yeah, man. I mean, Gunny at that point might update his crystal bong confidence to a full 28 grams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please do. But but there's no word at right now if he's I if he's going to take that I'll, visit I'll or put not. It, I'll put it this way. I don't expect that visit to happen. There's not a whole lot of buzz right now that it 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 is going to, like you're not seeing weekend previews that have him listed as a visitor in Austin. So, yeah, if he if he doesn't make it down to Austin, feel uh, really really good about Danny Okoye being a part of this class in uh, in eight days. Nine one eight. I hate UT as much as anyone else on the text line. That being said, have y'all seen how they've unlocked Anthony Hill Jr. coming off the edge against Bama? When can we expect the same out of PJ or any other edge guy? I understand most teams are in max protection, but do you think we'll see similar results once we get into the meat of our schedule? Well, in the case of PJ Adabare, um, he missed some time during the offseason, and Brent's been asked about that a couple of times in the past week, and he made an appearance against Arkansas State. It sounds like now that he's healthy, and once he gets more and more into things, his role is only going to increase as the season goes on. So do I expect P.J. Adebore to look like Anthony Hill has up to this point? I, I mean, that's a little bit down the road, maybe. But is OU going to look better off the edge as the season goes on? Yes, I absolutely believe that's going to be the case. And I thought that they, I thought the pressure was fine last week, man. I know they only got the one sack, but R. Mason Thomas gets held on a play. Um, they they had they had good good pressure I think for they the most had, part yes yes I've been impressed with the pressure that Oklahoma has been able to generate so far has it been reflected in the sack totals no but I'm not of the opinion that it needs to I think sack totals are a very very surface level very shallow way of gauging how much pressure a team is actually getting. Uh, I, I read this text from a listener in the 405, and it says, the only problem with the linebacker that's committed is he may opt for MLB. I initially read that as middle linebacker, and I was like, how, how is that a problem? And I was like, oh, yeah. MLB like baseball. Yeah, he throws really hard off the bump. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and Hard throwing right-hander. Yeah, well, that's another reason why James Nesta is going to be such a valuable addition at Oklahoma is because not only is he going to be – a key cog in the linebacker room going forward is he's going to have the chance a few years down the road to be the ace of the staff for Skip Johnson. 405 getting bricks. Seton will solidify our offensive line class with Winery flipping. Those three would move us easily into the top five, maybe top three class. That, by the way, accompanying that text was a screenshot of Jordan Seton's appearance on on three's college football recruiting show, which, by the way, like – and this is just this is completely out of left field, somewhat unrelated. But why are we, as recruiting services, so bad at naming things? Because twenty four seven sports college football recruiting show is called the College Football Recruiting Show, hmm. and on three's College Football Recruiting Show is called the Inside Scoop. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? Could we have picked? Any less interesting names for these programs? Do they use? Uh, well, they probably they probably use ChatGTP to uh, come up with their new recruiting show. Did they not? Is what it sounds like to me. Hey, uh, we're a recruiting show with on three. Uh, come up with a name, please. And they just went with the first suggestion. This is a great text from a four hundred five listener, Baker F and Mayfield. That's the text. Dang right, baby. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He almost he almost got decapitated in the uh, fourth quarter. But I know the locker room loved it, and he picked up the first down. 
Big Greg and Owasso asking the real questions. How can anyone ever cover Ivan Carrion? Did you see him that this is, past weekend? I it, did. Yeah. Do, only, was only that the game? Half. Okay, I was about to say, is that the game that was only for half? How yeah. do how, how do he look? Probably a, a nice little he, size mismatch. He is with a large human being. Like that is the closest thing to a basketball center that you will ever have in the Crimson and Cream. And that's what Ivan Carrion is. He's a basketball player that made the transition to football. Six foot six might be conservative, Tyler. He is a very tall human being. Athletic as all get out. Can jump out the gym. Great ball skills. If he were a touch faster, you're talking about a top 150. I think the biggest thing for him is he's just got to develop stamina. He's got to be running with the same desire and precision in the third and fourth quarters of games as he is in the first quarter. But, yeah, there's a real high ceiling, literally and figuratively, for a kid like that. How do you like these back-to-back texts on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line? Chris in the 918 says Stone was throwing off his back foot all dang game. I bet he thinks the pass (laughs) rush was good. And right below that, right below that, pressure on the quarterback has been below average at best. So, yeah, that's that's where we're at through uh, through two games right now. Someone asking about Desan McCullough. Brent said today that uh, he is hopeful that Desan McCullough is back because uh, Justin Harrington still banged up, yeah, according to uh, Brent. He is in all likelihood not going to play this yeah, weekend. Yeah, that's, so that's you, what you, it sounds You like. will probably not see Justin Harrington. You might see Desan McCullough. Any way you slice it, no Justin Harrington means a lot of – whom, Tyler? 22? 22. Everyone like 22 so far, what they've seen? Yeah, everyone likes them some Peyton Bowen. You're huh? about to see a whole lot more of 22. I think Saturday. so as well. Uh, here's a headline for you from on three after Texas is winning at Alabama. Texas recruiting Longhorns buzz after Alabama could lead to flips. So Texas like just thinks who? that they're going to flip. Uh, who's the who's the uh, defensive back that committed to Clemson? Corian Gibson and another one at Florida. God, why my Wardell Mack? Yes, they think that there's a chance they could flip both of those guys. Okay, whatever. This text and, and what I heard is, well, you know, since they arrived in Austin, uh, Parker, Steve Sarkeesian and staff, they go after their number one player. They don't give up, even if they commit somewhere else. They don't give up on their number one target. They continue after them, and that's oh what gosh. they're going to continue to do here, especially after this big Alabama win. Here's what you got to do. You just got to pay attention to inside Texas and then assume the opposite is going to happen. So you see inside Texas start dropping flip picks for Corey and Gibson. You can safely conclude he is locked in with Clemson. I, th- I disagree with this text, and it is tinged with negativity, but it's funny. Uh, um, Somebody said, carry on as a player Lebby would love to keep on the you bench. You know what? I almost said that joke once you said 6-6, six, six, and that might be... <laughs> too soon. Uh, yeah, yeah, too, yeah, too soon. soon. And that's the thought that, uh, that rolled through my head is, ah, maybe that's a little bit too soon. But I think that we're probably going to see Jaden Gibson and uh, Petaway this weekend, and Nicky Anderson as well. Just, just, just a hunch. Just a hunch. 405-651-3439. More of your text on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More OU Cruton as well right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. By the way, Ref Army Locator, I uh, ran that down last segment. That is brought to you by Affordable Door, the official garage door company of the Oklahoma Sooners. I've got about a handful of prospects, 24 and 25, that I'll ask you about here. 
Let's start with uh, Devin Jordan. What's the latest on the in-state prospect there in 2024, Devin Jordan? Yeah, that's primarily an OUTCU battle and kind of just honestly feels a little bit like the Boganowski and Bricks recruitments too. Like on, There are several of these that can kind of be cast into the same pile where both schools have compelling cases and it's just up to the kid to make a decision and it's not entirely clear what his decision is going to be. I think OU is the choice for Bricks. I, it's a shot in the dark. It's a coin flip right now with Boganowski. And for Devin Jordan, I'm about where I'm at, maybe a little less confident with Grant Bricks. I think he picks OU in the end, but the margin is very slight. Yeah. Eddie Pierre-Louis, 2024 offensive lineman. He re- released a top five recently with yeah. OU in it. So he to my understanding, gave the UCF staff a bit of an assurance over the summer that he was going to be a knight. But it's been several months now since that happened. He hasn't made any public announcement of a commitment and has continued to visit other schools and play up his recruitment. And as it stands right now, to the best of my knowledge, that is a drag race between OU and UCF. Those are the two schools that have positioned themselves above the rest. So, yeah, just kind of waiting on an outcome there, too. 2025 tied in to Son Brame of the state of Kansas. I think I read on Rivals yesterday, maybe that's OU and Kansas State out in front early. He was in Norman over the weekend. I want to say it was his third campus visit, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I have a future cast in for Oklahoma. I like the Sooners to land us on brain. Tight end recruiting is um, the stock up emoji that everyone likes to use. Turns uh, out Joe John Finley ain't dead weight. Yeah, and, and I, I guess I can throw out Nate Roberts as well. He was in town for the uh, first game of the season, and he's going to take other visits, but doesn't really feel like things are changing all that much. He's 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 big on OU. They're Feels like they're the leader. Yeah, absolutely. Folks wrote Joe John Finley off. He ain't right back though. Yeah, there ain't no doubt about that, man. He's he is uh, he's doing quite well, uh, especially with Devon Mitchell, top 100 player coming in with this 2024 class. I'll ask about Danny Okoye. I think it's very obvious, but where do things uh, stand uh, eight days out from his announcement? OU, Texas, and Tennessee, the final three. Well, per local Ohio, according to my brother Gunny and I. Mm-hmm expectations are high for Danny to be an OU's class, and I agree. I I expect OU to be the choice. Is there a chance that he's at a different TU this weekend? Is there a Ooh. chance that Danny's not at the Austin TU, but he is, in fact, at the Tulsa TU with Oklahoma playing not that far away? Not an impossibility. Although he might... He might actually play on Saturday. I'm not 100% sure. I'd have to double-check their schedule. I know they play Well, if he plays in- on Saturday, he's definitely not making it to Texas then, right? Well, yes. Or would he just like, skip, was he just going to skip the it's- game to go to on the Texas visit? Yeah, that, that's a good point. I, I got to take a look at their schedule because I know it's wonky. But, yeah, look, I mean, the kid lives in Tulsa. If he's not going to Austin on Saturday, why not just go snag a ticket and watch the Or team come that- by the ref uh, pre-postgame show at Chicken and the Wolf. I'll, hey, I'll let him recruit, or I'll, I'll let him commit on Saturday. He didn't even have to wait until Wednesday. He can commit live on the air with us if he would like. Okay, so here you go. The uh, 
the Noah homeschool mm. team, of which Danny Okoye is a part, obviously. They play in Enid on Friday at Chisholm, the Chisholm Longhorns. That's where Connor's from. That's where Connor played uh, football at. Oh, really? Chisholm, yeah. Could you imagine Connor going up against Danny Okoye this this weekend? <laughs> no disrespect, I would Connor. Love that. But I'd love I'd, to see. I that. am of the opinion that Danny Okoye would eat your lunch. Ah, uh, that would be. He would eat most anyone's lunch. That would be amazing. Nine one eight Noah schedule changes uh, all the time. Well. Maybe, uh, again, there are some signs to where you should feel good about Danny Okoye right now, but there's, there's some things that could happen in the next few days to make you feel even better. If he's not in Austin and he's at uh, Chapman Stadium on Saturday, nothing is ever a certainty, but, man, that would really feel like very close to a certainty that OU would be getting uh, Danny Okoye on the 20th. I was, I was rolling through the uh, 2024 rankings trying to find the – biggest surprise so far in the top 10 and I kept scrolling and scrolling okay who's in the who's who's uh who's not in the top 40 that's a surprise who's not in the type top 50 that's a surprise who's not in the top 60 that's a surprise I got all the way down to the number 76 class Parker and I got to the school that's the biggest story in college football right now the Colorado Buffaloes CU has just eight commits and they're the number 76 overall class really yes um, now they got all the buzz right now, I, I, and I'm sure Dion's going to pull in some nice portal players. But dang man, I didn't think I didn't expect him to be that low. And maybe that's by design to an extent. Maybe Colorado is thinking, okay, we're going to play the portal game heavy. We'll pick up late steam with a bunch of these because this is exactly what they did last year. And obviously, it was different circumstances because that because that staff had just gotten to town. But at the end of the cycle. You see top schools like Georgia and LSU and Florida and others that that get really big classes committed early. They start dropping guys from their classes, good football players. They start dropping them from their classes at the end of the cycle to make the numbers work. So maybe Dion's just counting on building a roster full of guys with chips on their shoulders because they got dropped by another school. Well, they uh, better get used to – Talking some trash after they win games. Colorado is elite at that, are they not? Boy, they they played the disrespected card more than anyone else in in uh, college football. They even made it sound like uh, Nebraska was Nebraska was uh, dissing their midfield logo when it just looks like Nebraska was praying after the game uh, at midfield instead. I'm so done with Man. the fake disrespect thing from Colorado. If they try to pull this every single week, don't worry. It's they're they're trying to find something Jay Norvell said that was uh, super disrespectful. They can get mad about that after they beat him on Saturday. No, here, here's a quick rundown of the top ten according to Rivals. Georgia's at one. Tell me the biggest surprise of the top ten. Georgia's at one. Ohio State's at two. Florida's at three. Florida State at four. A and M at five. Notre Dame at six. OU at seven. Oregon at eight. Tennessee at nine. Michigan at ten. Any, I mean, any surprises whatsoever in the top ten? I, I would say A&M at five would be the biggest surprise for me. I mean, if you hadn't told me A&M was top five, I wouldn't have guessed they were top five. They've, uh, it feels like they did a really nice job at, the, at wide receiver uh, this cycle. Yeah, they do have Cam Coleman committed. Obviously, they just got Dominic McKinley, the outstanding defensive lineman from Louisiana. But even so, man, they're, they're fresh off five and seven. They're already 1-1 one and one to start the year. There are swirling questions and have been swirling questions surrounding this program's future as far as leadership is concerned 
and whether Jimbo Fisher gets retained, I I would be hesitant to commit to Texas A&M right now. Well, and the thing with their dynamic is, okay, they lose to Miami, right? They still have to play an entire SEC schedule. Now, maybe the SEC West, the SEC West doesn't look as daunting as it did before the year with Bama and LSU, but A&M is still going to be less talented than both Alabama and LSU this year, and maybe even a school like uh, Ole Miss. So the point is this, with their dynamic, with the offensive coordinator and the head coach, has a chance to get really, really toxic if the losses continue, man. And we'll see if that loss to Miami on Saturday is only the beginning of a super toxic season at in College Station. So I wouldn't expect their recruiting class to completely fall apart, but if A&M has a few decommits before we get to signing day, that's not going to shock me at all, man. And I guess that's probably why OU's going to stay in on Dominic McKinley as much as they possibly can. I don't know how much you consider him a flip potential, but I'm sure OU's not going to give up. Yeah, flip potential is there. As high of a chance as you have with Williams Winery, no, not for my money, but there's a chance. Yeah. 405-651-3439. More text, more OU recruiting on the other side right here on The Ref. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Bob Stoops going to join us next hour at 3.20. Always a lot of fun. Be sure to tune in for that. We'll ask Bob about the SMU game and a look ahead to Tulsa coming up on Saturday as well. Rivals, fact or fiction, the question is, or was, David Stone is the biggest recruiting win to date for Brent Venables at Oklahoma. Parker Thune says, fact. There's no downplaying the significance of David Stone's commitment uh, to OU. He goes on to say, uh, Peyton Bowen signing last December was big, but as the program uh, prepares to transition to the SEC, OU needs to radically bolster its talent level and overall depth in the defensive trenches. And they did just that with, uh, with David Stone. Hard to disagree with you there. That David Stone is the biggest recruiting win to date for Brent Venables at OU. Yeah, again, he's not the only five-star that Oklahoma has gotten under Brent Venables. But he is, because of the position he plays, the five-star that you arguably needed the most. Even if you don't get Jackson Arnold, right, you can still you can still trust at the University of Oklahoma that the quarterback play is always going to meet a certain standard. The standard for defensive line play as of late has not been especially high. And so for a guy like David Stone to pick Oklahoma, for a guy like that to be locked in with your class, for a guy like that to be on the precipice of getting to campus and making a day one impact and not only helping your depth, but also being able to rotate into games from the time that he's a true freshman and make things happen on the gridiron on Saturdays, yeah, you can't put a price tag on what that means to the University of Oklahoma, given how rough things have been on the de- defensive line in recent well, years. When I when I read recruiting win, like I look at the the player obviously, but I also look at how big of a fight that recruiting battle was. <laughs> David Stone was a was a recruiting fight, man. Yeah, I was about to say you didn't have to fight for Jackson Arnold. You didn't. So you didn't that's have to fight for PJ Atabari. That's why I put David Stone one, and I put Pey- Peyton Bowen two, who would be at number three. And a follow-up to that question before you even answer it, if OU gets Danny Okoye in eight days after everything, like what that recruiting looked like seven months ago, 
Is there a case where Danny Okoye could be number three on that list in just over a week? Yes, I would say there is. Um, <laughs> I would say it might instantly be one-upped if the Sooners land Grant Bricks. Because, or Flip Williams when Aries. Sure. Well, it, it, yes. So it might not stand for very long, but yeah, I'd throw Danny Okoye right up there. Just what you had to what you had to do in that actual recruiting cycle. Like, not that Jackson. I mean, Jackson Arnold's clearly a, a great player. They're finding ways for him to get out on the field as a true freshman early in his career. But you you really you, you manage that recruiting uh, battle for a five star quarterback rather easily. Like it's not easy recruiting five star quarterbacks. And OU did such a great job with that one that that was as low stress as it could be. And even with PJ Atabari, kind of the same thing. So for recruiting win, David Stone's number one, uh, Peyton Bowen is number two, and yeah, I think Okoye got a chance to be number three. By the way, how about this? You know who's going to be starting at right tackle for Tulsa this weekend? Obviously someone that was uh, formerly on the roster, correct? I, uh, I, no, I, I, I don't. Who's, who's starting at right tackle? You remember Daryl Simpson? Yeah, oh, <laughs> I should have known that. Yeah, I knew. Yes, I forgot that he was at Tulsa. Daryl Simpson. Wow. In his sixth year of college football, he's going to be starting at right tackle against Oklahoma this weekend. Well, I can't wait to hear about that in the postgame if OU doesn't get any pressure. <laughs> they couldn't get pressure with Daryl Simpson playing at right tackle on Saturday? Are you kidding me? I think OU's going to get some pressure on Saturday. I don't think we have to worry about that. I think the defensive front will be okay. In a matchup of R. Mason Thomas versus Daryl Simpson, I'm giving the heavy edge to R. Mason Thomas. 817, can't imagine Arnold not being the most important recruit. Well, there's a difference between most important recruit and biggest recruiting win, is there not? Yes, there is. And I I would hear your case in that regard. But I would even say, like, David Stone might even be a little bit bigger than Jackson Arnold. Because, again, never had an issue with quarterback play at the University of Oklahoma, at least not in the last quarter century. He's had plenty of issues with defensive line play. Bob Stoops coming up at 320. The rush is next, right here on The Ref.